Hi, I'm Paul Warren. And I'm Ryan Klein. And this is another episode of SEO is Dead and Other Lies. How are you doing on this wonderful day, Ryan? I'm, I'm great. I'm hanging out at my buddy's place in Munaki, New Jersey, way up north. I'm holding, Munaki. Up, holding up a pop filter and uh, hopefully I sound as good as possible for this wonderful podcast tonight. What are you doing in New Jersey? I've just been doing back-to-back meetings for the past 48 hours. That's what I'm doing here. Well, what a place to do it in Munaki, New Jersey. I've never even heard of that place before. But <laughs> I haven't great. heard of most of the cities up there in North Jersey. So don't feel <laughs> bad about your lack of North Jersey geography, Paul. Well, we have a really, really great episode tonight. Um, we're actually going to be touching on a subject that Ryan and I are not experts on, even though it is an intro of the SEO ecosystem. Um, there's its own nuances to it, and it's really worth knowing, and you can make a lot of money from it if you're very successful at it, and that's uh, e-commerce, right? It's not just e-commerce SEO, but a lot of the stuff that goes into it. Um, if you ever kind of dabble in that world, you know, there's like different platforms that you can use. Really, if you want to just sell stuff online, how do you set all that stuff up? What should you be using? Where is it going? We're going to delve into all those topics today. We have a really special guest. His name is Sam Page. Sam, you, you've been working in the industry for over 10 years, head of SEO, right, at Bluehost? Yes, that's correct. That's just, all right. Uh, so, you know, it's a pretty big deal. Uh, we'll give a shout out to Bluehost <laughs> and link uh, to him after the episode. Uh, great hosting company. Thanks, uh, way better than... GoDaddy, so we'll just go ahead and get the shitty on GoDaddy out of the way right now. <laughs> you do it every once in a while. Better. Well, you know, someday we're probably going to have to have someone from GoDaddy on here, and I'm going to have to eat my words. I know it. Um, just yeah, like they're, they're still going to be a very talented SEO, I can guarantee it, regardless of the so, products. Well, a short, True. small story. We, we did an episode uh, very early on about how we hate pretty much every internet marketing company that starts with a Y. <laughs> um, so like Yext or um, Yahoo. Or, Yelp. There's a, there's a, there's a bunch of Yelp. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we we yep. hate all of them. And now I have to, I have Yext at, at my current company and I have, to, I, I got like a package for Christmas and stuff with them. And they were like, oh, we'll send you some swag to wear. And I was like, ah, damn it. I can't wear a, a Yext t-shirt. I've, I've said too many bad things about you in a public domain. I can't do it. So someday I'm willing to bet GoDaddy, it's going to come back to buy me. So as it relates to e-commerce, what do you think the biggest search engines are for that? Sure. Um, well, I mean, Google is still one, but I would say the biggest is Amazon. Um, so for sure, people, if they're even researching, if they're ready to buy, if they know what they want, they go on to Amazon to buy first or they're price checking. Like a lot of people go into stores like Best Buy and then price check against uh, Amazon. So yeah, absolutely. Amazon's number one. And then a distant second, I would say is like, Walmart and then eBay, but yeah, Amazon's by far the biggest. Wow. So you think Walmart's is like that much bigger than like it's even its competitors like Target and stuff like that? Yeah. Walmart like really likes to put money behind Walmart marketplace or walmart.com. So mm-hmm. they're really trying to beef up the, their presence there and make it a real competitor to Amazon right now. It's not, but you know, if Walmart's a giant company, so they can, they can sort of force their will into things sometimes. It's bigger than Target, for sure. I, I can definitely see Amazon being just the, the alpha and the omega, I suppose, for just e-commerce. Yeah. I know personally, I'm, I'm out in Seattle now, and Amazon, of course, is, is out there in Seattle. And then you also have mastermind groups and uh, meetups and workshops for e-commerce, which is just e-commerce is almost just synonymous with Amazon itself. And then you see guides online, it's just like, how to get rich from Amazon, then how to hack Amazon. Yep. So I guess like 
I don't know if we want to get too ahead of ourselves, just be like, where do you get started or anything like that? But um, if I didn't know much about e-commerce and I want to learn about it, do you, do you start with like learning about e-commerce or do you start with like the, the product or like having a passion for um, that you want to sell? That's a great, that's a great question. I think you could do it both ways. I think that there's not a, a really like an, an optimal way to enter it. If you have a, if you have a passion for a product or you're already selling a product, start, you know, testing it out online. I think that you can also just start researching and say, okay, I, I know I want to get into e-commerce, but I don't know the product yet. Um, and you can just start finding what you think might do some research and find what you think might sell well, what you have access to, what you have specific knowledge on helps. So, you know, if you know something better than other people, most likely you do kind of go that route and see if you can turn it into a product that can be successful. You know, the whole e-commerce industry is way more mature than it was a few years ago when I started. So, I, I mean, I got lucky to the point where I could just throw things up on Amazon and have some success. Um, now it's way harder. I think uh, to take a step back too, I think like how you're talking about how they have masterminds and like courses galore for Amazon. One of the things I think you'll see in the next couple of years are courses for Walmart.com. Really? Because yeah, because people, this happens a lot where, because I do consulting for Amazon uh, sellers, and these guys are like, hey, 99% of my income is coming from Amazon, and I don't want to be held to their whims. Like, Amazon can just shut your account down if you, if someone flags you for, you know, fraudulent uh, orders or fraudulent items. Like, Amazon just does not care about the sellers. So, people get really nervous when they're making, you know, six, seven figures, and it's all tied to Amazon, so they start looking for the next place to go. And Walmart is the obvious next choice, but um, you know we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But I think you'll start seeing those gurus and course guys coming out out of the woodwork for Walmart in the next couple of years. Just uh, re- real quick about Walmart, if people are going to be doing that, does that mean that, and I might be just oblivious, it's not really my realm, but does that mean that people can go on and drop their products like they do on Amazon, like Walmart nowadays? Yeah, pretty much. Like there's a seller application um, on Walmart, so you can apply to be a seller just like you apply to be a seller on <clears throat> on Amazon. You go through the whole process. Um, it's pretty easy to get approved. So, yeah, not too much more difficult than Amazon. I don't know much about like the algorithm in that uh, and and Amazon. I mean, you said like on the early days you could just drop a product in and have an easy time selling it. So how do how yeah. do like the rankings and stuff work within Amazon's algorithm? Yeah, so the, their algorithm is not quite as mature as like a Google algorithm, but it's it's definitely progressing quickly. Um, so the key data points right now for, for ranking well on Amazon are, there's really three things. It's sales rank, which is how many sales per day you get. Uh, they call it bestsellers rating, bestsellers rank. And the that's that one can trump pretty much all the others, but the other two are conversion rates. So if you're you know, if your product, if you're selling like dog collars and people type in dog collar on Amazon and, and, and you convert at a really high rate, Amazon's going to boost you up in the rankings really quickly. And then thirdly is uh, reviews. Um, so reviews are, can be like, it's a little bit more um, controversial if that affects your, your rankings. But from my anecdotal experience, it does. Like more reviews, the more five-star reviews you have, the better you tend to rank. But that again, you know, that yeah. could also influence your conversion rate too. If you're like a new 
if you if you've opened like a new store, your new seller, right, and you haven't really built up a lot of like sales, um, like how do you really combat some of those metrics? Yeah, it's that's what makes it tougher because back when I started, like really you didn't have to. There weren't people with thousands and thousands of re- reviews in every single niche. Almost every single niche, you get somebody who's got at least a hundred reviews or more. So back then you could kind of get by with like having your friend leave a review for you and start the ball rolling that way. Now, you know, Amazon makes it of course where you can pay. So the Amazon marketing services is their pay, is their paid ads, their PPC ads. And so the funny thing, the funny thing about Amazon paid ads is unlike Google, their paid ads influence the organic rankings. So um, you can get reviews and you can get conversion rates and bestseller rating rankings. You can influence all of those three organic metrics by running paid ads. And um, so that kind of paves the way for people to start out like getting more reviews quickly. Let me take a step back. So there's two ways to sell on Amazon, really. There's Vendor Central, which is Amazon purchases products from you and then they sell it themselves. And then the other way is a Seller Central account where you so it's the more typical one where you're you're the one in control of the account and you ship it off when you get sold or you ship it to FBA. So um, on on the Seller Central account, you can do what's called the early reviewer program, and Amazon charges you sixty bucks a review, and you can get up to five reviews for every SKU. So like if you've got a, a new dog collar and you've got three different colors, let's say, and they're all variants on the same listing you can get five reviews for each one of those. So it'll be 15 total reviews. And that's, a, I mean, it's 60 bucks a review, so it's not cheap, but you know, Amazon knows what they're doing. Trying to. It sounds like you need to be at least a minimum of like a hundred kind of based on of what you're saying for older merchants that have been in there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's so you, nobody wants to be the first person to leave a review, right? It's just weird. Yeah. <laughs> So you can kind of influence too, like how people think about your product when they say, oh, this is all five stars. This must be a good product. So I'll leave a good review when I buy it. Um, so that's kind of the way you jumpstart it. But the next, like the next thing you do to get, to catch up to these hundred review plus products is running the PPC ads, running deals. Like you can do what's called a lightning deal um, where you offer it at a, at a steep discount and get a bunch of sales. That also helps your rankings temporarily if your product sucks then you know there's not much you can do but hmm. yeah you're if your product sucks you're going to fight an uphill battle against negative reviews and all of this anyway so that's something to be aware of going into it i've also seen a lot of facebook groups and it seems to be managed and also um, have a lot of members that seem to be overseas and they kind of coordinate with a lot of people <laughs> that kind of fill out like a short survey a little bit about them to make sure that they can kind of really leave legit reviews and a lot a lot of these um amazon um shops will actually just send these products for free if they leave a review and they'll send out like hundreds that way and then they'll get hundreds of positive reviews just from just offering it for free completely in exchange for a a review or maybe even a video testimonial too it's sort of yeah it's like actually that's against amazon's terms of service now so they don't like to give it used to be like that used to be a really good way to do it um, and it was Amazon changed their terms of service a couple of years ago. If you, if they see on your account that you're refunding or giving a discount to an order on their platform, they 
totally devalue the the review or they even they may remove it or they may flag your account. So if you have like 100 reviews and they're all discounted or free, you're running some risks there. Uh, yeah, that makes sense cuz they have to see on the profile like obviously this person had to have made the purchase otherwise how can you leave a review on it? Well, they so these you can like subvert that on those at Facebook groups by paying like so they'll ask for like your PayPal email account or something like that and just pay them through PayPal out of their bank. So they mm, exactly yeah, there is always a workaround and it's always like how much risk do you want to take on you know a little bit about the walmart one uh, I, I can't imagine that it's anywhere near as sophisticated as as amazon's but is it sort of like similar ranking factors for there as well yeah from what i can tell that's the case it's actually more heavily towards like reviews it's pretty obvious like the lower price and reviews are the bigger ranking factors on walmart um and it's so like walmart doesn't offer the early reviewer program or anything like that they're not quite as finely tuned as amazon is for the sellers so there's a couple tricks you know like one of the cool tricks now is like you (laughs) um you sign up for like uh one of these review syndication platforms power reviews is one bizarre voice they syndicate reviews from other websites on to Walmart. So one of those other websites could be your website and, you know, it's up to you how well you monitor the reviews on your website without incriminating myself. You can leave, get some <laughs> really good reviews on your website <laughs> and it, they, they will also get published and help you rank better on Walmart through one of those. Interesting. So let's talk uh, real briefly about, kind of like a general barrier entry when it comes to these things, because it seems like all these platforms are just completely self-sufficient. So do you really need like any association with a website or social media to validate the products or is like everything you need all centralized completely on your Amazon? Yeah. I mean, it's not totally necessary. You don't have to have a website to, to be a successful seller on Amazon or Walmart. Um, in fact, there's quite a few people on there who just don't bother with having a website. I I personally would say get a website, be everywhere that your customer might be or might want to find you. Um, it's just, especially if it's as easy as creating a website or starting up another account on eBay or Walmart or wherever. It's just, you know, it's not, it's a pretty low effort for potentially good return. Plus, you know, you get the added benefit of, um, diversifying your income streams uh you know as an e-commerce seller you don't want to be tied into one platform too heavily and then also if you go to like if your exit strategy is to sell like you want to sell your e-commerce business the market like the multiple you'll get for your business if it's only on amazon is way lower than if you're doing sales on walmart amazon ebay rakuten sears.com your website if you have social profiles like if you're like make yourself look like a more legitimate business and you'll get the bigger multiples. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense that, you know, I always say like uh, you should do every marketing medium if, if it can pay for itself. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there, there's no reason to like not, if you, if you can pay for itself and make money at all, then like just absolutely like do it or at least try it. Right. Yeah. And you never know, like people might have not have, uh, and one of my favorite things is on eBay, there's a lot of like Latin American buyers who don't have um, access to Amazon, but they may see it on Amazon and then they'll go shop for it on eBay and buy it. 
and you can charge a little bit more because of that. I didn't know that is uh, is like Amazon blocked out in like uh, a lot of those countries. Uh, I'm not sure what the deal is, but it just seems like um, it seems like Latin American buyers don't use Amazon to the same capacity that they use eBay. Um, and it seems like like there's maybe some purchasing um, like verification or something that goes through Amazon that they can't do, um, but they can do on eBay. So they're price mm-hmm. shopping on Amazon <laughs> than buying yeah. on eBay. They give them yeah, yeah. the old Amazon treatment uh, <laughs> on their own site. <laughs> yeah, it's funny actually, but it's they're like they, because they can't buy it on Amazon, they'll pay for a little bit more for it on eBay. If you if you think you want to start selling a product, put it up for like twenty percent more um, on eBay, and then just like when you get an order from Amazon, just to just ship it straight from Amazon to that customer who ordered it to you from you on eBay. And, uh, <laughs> and you can see what the sales volume is, like what, what the customers are like. You can kind of like test everything without money out of your pocket, essentially. Yeah. The, the concept of that, I believe it's called arbitrage where you, yeah, yeah. you find it somewhere and then for a discount compared to somewhere else where other people are looking and then you make money off of the difference. Is that actually like a, a practice that people engage on specifically? Yeah, for sure. Like I, I've done it just from Amazon to Amazon. Like one listing on Amazon for a product had way more reviews and ranked better than another listing. And the the the, the higher up ranking listing was pricing higher too. So I just arbitrage from Amazon to Amazon. But yeah, there's actually like a program, like there's a couple of programs you can buy that find if a product is available for sale on eBay if it's not sorry if it's not available for sale on ebay but it is available for sale on amazon and then it will automatically like list these products for you that's pretty fascinating you're, you're giving us like all kind man this is actually a really bad like, <laughs> well, well, interview well almost it's like, like what happens <laughs> yeah it's like what happens when you read something a little bit for the first time you know it's like you know we're, we're sitting here you know talking about seo and stuff not really applying it to e-commerce so when we do start talking about high level it's just like you're just like man we should have been doing this forever I feel another project for us coming on after this after this interview. <laughs> another project. Let's another take a step one. back. I know it's the first week of uh, 2020, but you got to re- reel it in a little bit. Goals, buddy. You got to have goals. I got big um, old goals. So, do you do you do any work with like I guess Alibaba? It's like one of the other major ones, right? Um, I don't personally mess with Alibaba. If I'm if I'm sourcing from China, I, I usually just go through like a customs broker and a sourcing agent. So I'll, I'll ask around for referrals on that. Alibaba and AliExpress, those companies, they're like, it's a lot of work to find a decent product at a decent price that hasn't already been just beaten to hell by these like course guys, Amazon course guys. I just don't mess with it. It's it's too, too tough. Cause aren't aren't you like going to a, a port of like a port, where like these huge ships are coming in and you have to buy like four ton pallets and figure out how to transport them. Or it's just, it's just, yeah, yeah. It's just talking about like Sometimes. massive bulk. Yeah. I remember one time I looked on there and I was like, you know, I like tuna fish, but I don't think I need 4,000 cans of tuna fish because that's the small, <laughs> smallest quantity I can get in Alibaba. It's probably, that's probably like, like picking on e-commerce for sure. I think the hardest thing is finding the right product and sourcing it. It is, it is more difficult, especially 
starting out because you do have to do like a lot of these manufacturers have a minimum order quantity and it's going to be pretty steep um, if they're doing a if they're doing a decent job you know like so you have to be prepared to to fork over some money or at least you know be ready to to take a hit if this product doesn't succeed so it's that's why it's nice to do that retail arbitrage and uh and test it out before you sink thousands of dollars or what or whatever your entire garage space <laughs> to the uh yeah uh, uh-huh. this product in your guest bedroom in your neighbor's garage in your backyard <laughs> with, the, with the giant tarp i spoke real briefly um about that uh, mastermind group in seattle and and they were talking about specifically amazon and they had this thing like everyone in the group they just had like kind of the same connections to china and as a group, they all source their stuff from like the same factories, even though they were different products. And they'd go on nice. trips all together to like the same factories in like the middle of who knows where in China and see their products being manufactured in, in bulk bulk. Um, so yeah, cool. it's intense. If you, it's intense. Like I, yeah, <laughs> I went to Shenzhen for, for work in China and it's like, man, they, they just make everything. Like the entire city is built around like Walmart and Amazon. So it's crazy to see how, like how well suited they are for that. If you were starting out and you'd never done this before, what would you personally pick to sell? So I'm, I'm really big into tennis. Like I know tennis pretty well, so I might mess around with some tennis related product. I don't, it's tough. Like I've actually taken a little bit of a hiatus from it because um, my success on e-commerce is like, I'm not hitting home runs anymore. So (laughs) I'm taking a breather, but yeah, I I think it'd have to be something that I know that I have specific knowledge on that more than I know something more about than 90% of the population would. You know, whenever whenever anyone ever talks about like, Oh, you know, I want to start a blog, you know, what should it be about? And like, Mm -hmm. I feel like it should always start with like, well, something you know or something you're passionate about uh, just because the work that kind of goes into it, if you like it, it's it's less work, you know, it's more like you're enjoying it. Yeah. And so you will kind of have a hard time of like getting it done if it's like drudgery, right? If it's just, if it's like CPAP machines, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, robot. Got it. That's hilarious. I have yeah, tried this. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, oh, there's just so many different ones and there's all this specific stuff and like I don't know any of this, you know, like I'm just piecing information together from YouTube videos I watched and and it's just <laughs> like uh monotonous and stuff. So I mean I think that's that's excellent advice, you know, like kinda start with what you with what you know and what you like. because um, it's just yeah. it's a lot easier to, to talk about it and to, to sell it. I think that's a great analogy is like starting a blog, right? It's like you're not gonna like it's really tough to rank a a blog in in Google now, right? It's going to take you a year at least of hard hard work, and this, the same thing is going to apply to Amazon at this point in time. Yeah, so it's it's a long. It's, you got to be in it for like the long haul, like the, the yeah. days of instant short. You know, make a bunch of money are, are kind of behind us, particularly in Amazon. Maybe still a little bit there in, in Walmart though, right? <laughs> so yeah, I think so. <laughs> Do you know of any kind of emerging platforms uh, other than the ones that we've, we've already talked about? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, there's a, actually like something I'm, I'm interested in now is Twitch. Um, so it's owned by Amazon too. So I'm curious to see what Amazon decides to do with Twitch. And like the, the audience on Twitch is like, 
18 to 34 year old males that are spending like hours on it. And this is a, a really like highly sought after demographic for marketers and advertisers. They, like Amazon could definitely turn Twitch into something like potentially like a YouTube rival or I'm not sure, but like it's something that is definitely on my radar. In in some ways, also like TikTok is interesting, but I also I'm also very hesitant because it's a Chinese-owned plat platform, like it's a Chinese-owned app. Anything like that, like WeChat, like you're you're giving up a lot of backdoors, and like the data that you're giving up is is interesting to you know like what it's getting used for and where it's going is is sort of unknown. It's also getting like really popular, like. See, you hear guys like Gary V, or and then his name Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm -hmm. yeah. When you like when that like when that yeah, when he's talking when he's talking about something like it's about time to like jump off the train. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, and like I I yeah. get why people like Gary like I I get why you know because he's a good speaker. He's very like passionate, but I just feel like. Oh man, I don't need any more people to tell me like how to get my life together. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I call Gary V. He's the dubstep of business. It's like Grant uh, Grant Cardone. You know? It's like yeah, the same thing. Yeah. Just nice. like, Twitch is interesting know. because I actually do think it's going to rebel YouTube for a couple reasons. It, it's nailing a, an interesting demographic. Um, B. It's mm -hmm. um, it's it's used for streaming content, but primarily gaming, mm -hmm. which is really like taking over, and especially with the rise and ascent of esports. And right now, yeah. the way that they're doing it is um there's not really any products that i see too often but they certainly do like like pro subscriptions and like additional forms of subscriptions and then also kind of i think subs on like a twitch streamer to streamer basis too and some of those mm -hmm. a lot a lot of money i just don't know yeah. yet i don't know how yet the, the product aspect the content aspect is 100 percent there but i don't know yeah it's interesting to see how the product uh, aspect might be integrated what's well, kind of weird is like uh like Vimeo like never took off for anything and it was like a direct competitor for YouTube you know and it was it's like true a better platform in a lot of ways and it just like it's like a wasteland you know like I don't I, don't, I can't remember I don't really ever remember searching for anything on Vimeo, <laughs> but it's just like man what, what happened yeah well I wonder what what the real catalyst behind that like why didn't Vimeo take off it really is a good like a good alternative to YouTube, especially now that YouTube like censors and demonetizes people left and right. Like, why don't they just go to, to Vimeo and, and, and like the ad frequency on YouTube now is just insane, you know, compared to like what, it, what it yeah. used to be. It's like, uh, it's like we're, we're watching, you know, Betamax and, uh, like the VHS happen like, like again, you know, it's like, <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess it's the, the network effect of it, right. It's just like YouTube is so big. It, draws more people and more content so more people and more content go to youtube and like it just it just compounds into a into a point where it's like no, there is no competitor like it's like google right it, nobody uses bing hardly mm -mm. yeah i i like uh was asked from a not i don't really have clients uh i like represent like a larger organization uh, like a franchise so i have like franchise owners and they're like hey how are our Bing rankings and i was like i don't know I don't track that. So why would, why would you ask me that? And then just delete the email, you know, so offended by it. Um, probably should respond to that email. Actually. Why did they have your email? How dare they? Yeah, I know. Don't ask me that question ever again. If someone has a product in mind and they're like, I, I already know I'm listening to this podcast right now. I've had this idea forever. Let's get going. 
but it's like you know something physical and it's something kind of unique like how does someone kind of go about like getting it drafted or or getting it designed and then getting it produced i mean that seems like something that would be the, the biggest barrier that's a great that's a great question because i never actually created a product that didn't exist yeah. what i what i would do is i'd say i would go go to like a like a product sourcing agent and i'd be like hey I want to source a product like this. I would show them the one that already exists. And I would say, I want one like this. I may say, I want some different functionality if you can find that. And then they go to China and find the factory that makes that. Oh, okay. So, well, that's, that's something. I mean, yeah, if, that, if you're not designing like the new, the new, the whizzy who diddle <laughs> that I made up <laughs> that like needs like a complete unique design because it's going to revolutionize humanity. Like if it's something that's just yeah. uh, a new iteration of something that exists. That's one of the things too, though, is like if you create a new product and nobody knows it exists, like it's really hard to get that to take off. Like uh, I did some consulting for Squatty Potty on Amazon a few years ago before they became like this popular brand. And they were getting some sales, but like they had a hit like that insane like threshold where people actually knew what squatty potty was like nobody knew they needed some some thing to sit on like to put their feet on when they were taking a dump they just everybody's just like yeah i go, I go to the bathroom like everyone else and so yeah like when when they started doing like heavy heavy advertising and branding and got on shark tank then their business actually took off but they if they didn't do that they would have been just kind of like hanging out making a few sales a day that makes me wonder, like, what the poopery. Do you, you guys know about that product, poopery? Yeah, I know very well that product. Yeah, yeah, it, was, <laughs> yeah it, was, it was like pretty popular there for like a couple of years. I wonder, like, how long it, they had it before it was like, oh, we gotta, we gotta super invest in these, uh, these marketing campaigns to, to really like sell it. So, like, you know, it's like kind of similar. It's like silly, and but all of a sudden it was just like it was like everywhere. Like the ad, I think it was on Ellen or something at some point. Yeah, and then they got some retail. Like they have retail distribution now, so you can find them in. Um, like you can find them in like the grocery store. Yeah, like yeah. it's like I think there's some level or something. So you know, Amazon definitely the dominant one, as we already talked about. Do you think that's going to continue in the foreseeable future? Yeah, I mean, for the foreseeable future, yes, for sure, Amazon will will be the dominant platform. Um, Long term, definitely see some headwinds against Amazon. I think you know. I think a lot of e-commerce people are looking for a new platform to sell on because, you know, there's a couple reasons. Like, and as a buyer on Amazon, a lot of times I'll buy something and it's like some cheap piece of crap item that, like, it's like very low quality made. <laughs> so, you know, it's sometimes it's like shopping on the dollar store for certain products and you don't realize it. But I think that that could potentially cause some some heartburn for Amazon in the future too. Maybe you can tell us like a horror story that's hilarious. Um, a pro- yeah, no, I've got a product where I I've sold a product Ooh. that ended up a disaster on Amazon. Oh, cool. oh, that everyone oh, wants to hear about I your failures, not all your successes. Yeah, sounds great. <laughs> so tell so t- t- tell us the worst thing that's ever happened to you in your life, and it doesn't have to be related to marketing. <laughs> Don't answer that question. <laughs> yeah. What the hell kind of podcast is this? No, I've. Um, I definitely have one in particular that stands out as a cautionary tale. Um, so I was selling this product. It's called a TINS unit. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with a TINS unit. It's a, 
it's like sends a little like electrode shock to some to your body it's like a massage or like chiropractors use it but so i was selling this on amazon and i was doing like oh within six months i was doing like 90 grand a month in sales so it was like a million dollar product really quickly and like one day a competitor um it was pretty obvious it was a competitor had bought 20 25 of these from me and I was like, okay, whatever. Maybe he's like out of stock and needs to drop ship or something to satisfy some demand. So I, sh- I shipped him off. And um, within a week, all 20, 20 or 25 of those orders was flagged as counterfeit. And Amazon just shut my account down immediately. Like no questions asked, like goodbye, all revenue. And then all the inventory I had in Amazon was stuck. Amazon holds on to your money for like, six months or something like that after the accounts shut down. So I had a good chunk of change just held up. I was, I was like trying to go through the appeals process with Amazon. So I, I, they make you write, like, like try to prove that you're not counterfeiting these. <clears throat> so, I mean, you know, how do you prove that you're not counterfeiting something is, is not an easy task to do. Um, so yeah, I, I went through the whole process only to, find out like that there was just no like there was no coming back from it like amazon just didn't care about shutting me down it was just you know someone else was going to satisfy that demand and um yeah so it, it really burned me and it was like the first time i saw negative seo on amazon be so effective and i mean to this day like it happens all the time negative seo is a huge thing on on amazon yeah that's, <laughs> that's like brutal easy. and they the fact that they hold it for like six months and like the inventory you're just like they're like they don't care the only thing i can ever think of that that's come close to that is like email marketing it like problems where we've sent like we've sent like the wrong thing and we had to send like like not refunds but like coupons to like the people that got it that was like the equivalent of like seventy thousand dollars you know so yeah so like a an email send ended up being like a seventy thousand dollar like like issue that we we had to like take care of but yeah. and the but the fact that they just they hold your money and like all the inventory for like six months is crazy to me. Yeah, it was like it was very stressful, and you, you know you like you learn a lot. You know it's best to like not be the number one guy, right? Don't rank number one. Rank like number five or seven or something like that, so you're off the radar of these these summer guys or these negative SEO guys. But you're still doing a good amount of money. And that's that's good advice right there too. Def, definitely good <laughs> advice. Do you have uh you know we're wrapping up uh towards the end here. Do you, do you have any any shout outs that you like to make? Yeah, shout out to Bluehost, my full time gig. I re- <laughs> I really enjoy working there. It's a good spot. So um, if you need some hosting or a domain name, go to bluehost.com. <laughs> but uh, also. <laughs> um, I do consulting on my website. It's uh, Amazon SEO experts, um, com. So you can always stop by there. Well, Sam, thanks so much for, for being a guest on our podcast. Uh, we'll link yeah, to uh, the website and in, in the description. If you guys want to check it out, you want to get some expert consulting from Sam page, uh, feel free to hit him up and Hey, you know what? I'll go out and just pitch Bluehost too. You know, you want to host something, <laughs> go to, go to Bluehost instead don't, of GoDaddy. Don't forget to use promo code Amazon for free premium hosting for two years and five free domain names. Well, thank you so much for being on. And I want to thank all of our listeners. We really appreciate you guys. 
Uh, be sure to like, share, subscribe anywhere that you, you see it. Uh, we don't get any money uh, out of this podcast. Uh, we, we just do it for the likes. That's all. Uh, we just want the accolades. That's it. So, you know, we appreciate that. And uh, if you have any questions for us, you know, you can hit us up at seosdeadnotherlies at gmail.com. Uh, we respond, respond pretty quickly now that the holidays are over. Um, or you can leave a comment on our YouTube channel. Uh, we have a Twitter that Ryan and I never check, so probably don't even go to that. Um, or you can go to our website, which is back up after being hacked. But thank you so much for listening. I'm Paul Warren. And I'm Ryan Klein. And this has been another episode of SEO is Dead and Other Lies. Bye. Say bye. <laughs> bye, everyone.